Welcome to the Psychology of Commercial Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Sean K. Michael. Instead of talking about technical know-how in each episode, instead we'll be taking a mental approach. We'll be talking about building relationships, building trust, and how to be our best selves when we're out in the field doing deals. So let's become students of psychology together as we learn from some of the best out there. Remember to hit subscribe to make sure you get all of the latest psychology of commercial real estate episodes to your smartphone. Welcome. I think you're going to enjoy today's episode, which is part two of my interview with Jennifer Pearson. Today, we're going to be talking about getting things done and how to remain peaceful and calm in the storm of distraction. Let's welcome Jennifer Pearson. What stood out to me in the book when I was reading the chapter uh, that you wrote was the idea that every day and every moment you're at the office is a gift. And no, yeah. thanks to that. I yeah. thought that was interesting because I never heard anyone say that before. So what is your attitude towards, um, towards starting something new? Reminding yourself to have humility and trying to get your ego in check around what it tells you you should know versus what you actually know. If you can be kind of open, and this is a strong word, but vulnerable to the idea that you don't know and open to learning, if you can push your ego aside, you could turn what is typically a year and a half, two years of ramp up time into six months. If you have that level of vulnerability and lack of ego to just sponge it all up and to say when you don't know, I don't know, help, help me to learn this. This is all new to me. I'm starting from zero. Help me to understand. You'll learn faster and you'll be better and you will connect with people more. And I mean saying that to clients too, because all ages around clients when you're starting feel that they should know more than they do because they're trying to be impressive to clients, but it's that reverse psychology also. If you say, I don't know, can you help me learn, more clients will take you under their wing and help you more. And you'll, you'll develop deeper relationships because of that too. That's such a great point because we're so much mind we have the mindset of what does success look like and being impressive or having a certain appearance to other people. Yeah. And if we reveal that we don't know something, it seems like a, a lack or a negative when it's actually the strongest thing we possibly could do. So I think you're That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm, uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing that because I sure. think that I'm in a unique position and there may be some people listening that are starting out uh, in commercial real estate, or with a lot younger, more seasoned people listening. But I think we can all learn from being vulnerable and sharing a little bit more of ourselves because that helps us connect with clients, brokers, anyone that we're dealing with um, on that human level, really. And, and then we're more open to each other. There is a woman, um, her name is Brene Brown. She also has done several TED Talks and written several books. And she pointed out to me through her talks and her reading, I don't know her personally, that this idea that I wholeheartedly believe that vulnerability is the great fallacy because it's actually strength, not weakness. 
and the common conception is that it is weakness, but it's not. Because if you really think about it in your personal relationships with your spouse, with your best friends, with your clients, when you become vulnerable, that is when the the true magic in a relationship happens that cannot be broken. That's when someone really believes in you because you're sharing with them kind of a, a part of a depth in who you are. And if you're a broker and you're worried about somebody else coaching on a relationship that you have with a client, but that client really knows you, that bond from being vulnerable, that's a very difficult bond to break. Jennifer, how do you end up scheduling your day to maximize your time? I know you have a system of breaking your day down into 15-minute increments. Can you get into how you go about doing that? So scheduling my days in 15-minute increments, that does a couple of things. First of all, it makes me plan. It makes me think about what I need to accomplish for that day, which in and of itself is very powerful. And then secondly, it gives energy to each particular task because it's time-constrained. And it's like, okay, this in this 15-minute increment, I'm going to work on um, cold calling. And usually I'll block that in a specific amount of time, and I'll say, okay, there, there are no breaks. There is no distractions. I am going to call for this amount of time. And then when I'm finished with it, I actually get energy with it because I feel accomplished, and I did it. And then when the next task is there, I jump into that task. And then by the end of the day, I've gotten 10 or 15 things done, and I've gotten them done well because I've pushed all the other distractions aside. It's quite regimented, actually. Um, I, As you mentioned at the top of this call, I, I, for a period of time, ran the private capital group nationally for CBRE, and I gave um, – an hour-long presentation on how to do this, how to schedule your time. And I got a lot, and these were, I was leading about 300 people across the country, and many of them were my friends because we had worked together for a long time. And so I would get responses like, Jesus Christ, girl, when do you go to the bathroom? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you're, that is that is the, the most regimented schedule I've ever seen. Yeah, when do you breathe? So I I do, I am mindful that that is a little intense, but it works for me. Well, I think what I like about it is the idea that like work expands to the time you give it. And I feel if you have a certain... Great way of saying it. That's work expands to the time you give it. That's exactly the underlying idea. So if you're timing... By the 15-minute increment, you know this 15 minutes is very important for this particular thing. And I like the way you said in the book, I think you mentioned, like, by having it laid out, you don't need to think about it. It's laid out for you. It's ready. You're ready to go versus, oh, what's next or what am I going to do? Yeah, right, which is yeah. which eats time also. When you're um, talking about your own personal definition of success, what does it mean to you? Because I know there's the financial part and then there's, you know, happiness and enjoyment of the process. What is it yeah. for you? Because I know you have a family and, and all that kind of thing. I was dialed into money early on in my career. And actually, I was just in Houston with one of 
our brokers yesterday and we were talking about, we drove, so we had a lot of really great time to talk. And I asked him while I was um, quietly doing what I was doing, reading this chapter and getting caught up, and he was driving the car, I said, what were you thinking about? What plagues you? What was on your mind? When your mind goes off and you're not present in the moment, where does it go? And he and this is a he's a young guy. He's 27 years old. Um, he said, "I was thinking about money." And I said, "Wow, okay, that really brought me back to when I was your age, and really into very recently in my life." I would joke, and you can bleep this out if it's not appropriate for the podcast, but I was saying to him, um, I was joking with him, you know how they say that men think about sex every three seconds, like it hits their mind every three seconds? Not all men, but a lot of men, they think about sex every three seconds. Well, so for me, I thought about money every three seconds. And I'm not joking when I say that. That's how much of a circular thought it was in my mind. It was very frequent. And I think it was because I tied my importance on this earth to money and I I tied my um, value and thereby my ability to be loved by other people. That was all wrapped up in that thought. It wasn't until we had that conversation yesterday that I realized that I no longer think about money every three seconds. I really don't. And I told him, and I think that this may be true, um, it's because my house is paid off. It's because I have very, very little debt, so I don't have to worry about it. I don't know if that's true. don't think about it um, all the time like I used to think about it all the time. So now, so this is very interesting and timely. This will date this podcast, but because of Corona, um, I had my whole career, I have four best friends that I have grown up with since like seventh, eighth grade that I'm still very close with. Two of the four are stay-at-home moms, and I have always romanticized and idealized their lives because they wake up. They can put on workout clothes. They can go for a workout. Um, They get to be with their children every morning for breakfast. They take them to school. They pick them up from school. In between, they could go for lunch. They might have a glass of wine. They might not. Like That lifestyle, even though I was taking zero steps to have it, it looked wonderful to me. Mm. And I always wanted it. And I always said, just give me two or three months. Like my husband says, you would be, you'd go insane. You would hate it. You'd be miserable. But I would say, just let me try. Let me just try it for a little while. So Corona gave that to me because we stopped going into the office. And I would never in a million years stop on my own, but it was a forced stop. So I worked from home for three months. And I got to get up and put on workout clothes and be with my kids every single day and have a glass of wine at lunch if I wanted to, which I never did. But I did it in the evenings, every evening for some weeks. Um, and how and was it? How, what was it? Was it the romanticized story that you thought? It was, it was wonderful in that um, I got to be with my kids and my husband every single day. That was amazing. It was wonderful in that I got to 
go for a run at lunch and listen to a podcast if I wanted to because I didn't have to put makeup on afterwards. Um, it was wonderful in the closeness that it created with my family. But my husband was right. I, I, I wasn't happy. I didn't have the drive. I wasn't fulfilled from the work, which fulfills me a lot. I mean, I was working every day, but it's not the same as interacting with clients and in person and interacting with the guys at the office in person. It was different. It was the throttle was off the gas for sure. Mm. I mean, I was maintaining, but I wasn't pushing myself, I guess is the best way to explain it. Yeah, I think that's such a great point is that I feel that there's this corona has forced a lot of us to experience work in a totally new way. Mm-hmm. Remotely or stopping altogether and feeling what it's like to not work for a period of time. The idea of like starting things for the first time. Yeah. You know, especially when you're starting your day. That's kind of like, I like talking about starting things right. Because I think beginning the day in the right way for whatever works for us personally, we each have our own style, our own ways. Yeah. But what works for you to get your momentum? Because I think if you start right, you're much more likely to succeed of anything, whether it's a new project, a new conversation, or the day itself. Like, how do you make sure that those beginning moments of that day are the best for you so that – and it doesn't necessarily work for everyone, but what, what, what works for you? I own Strive um, with a partner. His name is Jason Vitorino. Um, and like in any good partnership, I, I learn a lot from him. Um, and he learns a lot from me. And one of the things that he and I have been talking about lately, we, we just had um, internal mid-year reviews with all of our brokers yesterday, or day before yesterday. So we got a lot of time to sit down with each person. We spent an hour um, talking about um, what's going on in their business, how they do things. So we talk about behaviors, we talk about results, we talk about all of that. Um, and, and he and I have talked about this topic before. He makes a habit, he meaning Jason, my partner, um, he makes a habit of trying not to look at his phone until he gets to the office. So it's next to his bed when he goes to sleep. And um, I think it's his alarm that wakes him up, but he doesn't look at it for, so say he gets up at six in the morning and he gets to the office at, you know, eight o'clock. He doesn't look at it for the first two hours of the day. And that gives him mental space to be proactive, not reactive. And it allows him to kind of own his day and it gets his head in the right headspace to start the day. Um, and I have just started doing that, but I think that that, especially with these um, these phones that we all have on us at all times that are shooting things at us, shooting information <laughs> at us all the time. The constant, never ending stream of information. Yeah, it's just it's it's invasive, really. It's um, so to stop it like that at the beginning of the day I'm just starting so maybe we should have a conversation and I'll tell you how it goes for me but I believe in it I think it's that's an important thing to do um, but for me it's um, working out in the morning I have a Peloton bike so if I get on the bike before I go to the office or I like to run slash walk through my neighborhood if I can do that and usually I will listen to a podcast 
and that gets me into a very positive um, place in my mind before I start my day. Yeah, for me as well, the working out is huge. I'm big into martial arts, but running outside and being in the park and whatever I can do to keep get my body in motion, I feel like that's a big component to the mental because, yeah. like, your endorphins are going, you're feeling in a different, whole different place, and you've got a new rush of energy from it. Like, for me, it's it's a game changer for, for the day. It seems also that you're a big planner. And I don't know whether it's the night before or just ongoing for the week, but it seems like you have it laid out where you said, I don't really need to think, I can just go. Because yeah, you have a lot that's of things set. Yeah, I do that. Um, usually I try to set an alarm to do that 30 minutes before I'm ready to walk out the door. Mm. So if I can, I shut off the day, spend the last 30 minutes planning for the next day, and then I leave. Important, I think, for everybody to find what works for them. So I mentioned my partner, Jason. Um, he doesn't like, first of all, he is a highly focused, highly successful um, commercial real estate professional. And he was a college hockey player. He was the captain of the team. They were NCAA champions. I mean, this kid is, he knows how to push himself. Okay. Um, yeah. But he, yeah, he really is. But he doesn't um, he doesn't pick the way I do. We're very different people, which works well for us in a yin and yang kind of a way. But he doesn't like setting goals. That's not how he operates. Um, and he doesn't get himself organized. Well, he kind of does, but not like I do the night before for the next day. It, his brain works very quickly, and it's all kind of happening in his mind, where with me, it works better for me if it's written down. So it, what we are talking about today is what really works for me, and I think that there are a lot of like-minded people out there this could be helpful for, but everybody's different. So I think it's really important to figure out what works for you. And I think and Jason also meditates. He very much believes in creating that space between stimulation, stimulus and response. And he's also a seeker, and he's always trying to improve himself. Um, but he's just – everybody's different, you know? No, absolutely. I mean, there's a book that talks about – I'm not sure I, – I, we heard about it. It was a while back. I don't know if you know about it, but it's like a book that talks about how people got creative in writing and like where they would go to write. You know, it was about writers like Maya Angelou, like going to a hotel room to to be yeah. creative, or people going to a cafe to write to get stimulation, or just at a desk. So there's different ways people process things in their minds. You can't just put one. There's not just one way that works for everyone, right? Because like that's right. Plus Everyone's makeup is different. Well, I appreciate you you coming on the podcast today. How can people contact you if they want to get in touch with you? Um, my contact information is on our website, which is strivere.com, which is Strive Real Estate, short for Strive Real Estate, strivere.com. Um, and all my contact info is there, and everything we do is there, and bios for everybody in our company is there. We don't have a lot up there about mindfulness. It's very business-focused, but that's how you can reach me. Absolutely. Well, Jennifer, I appreciate it, and I hope to stay connected with you. This has been a great opportunity to share ideas. So 
I will My pleasure. I've, <laughs> I've really enjoyed talking with you as well. Thank you for the time. Thank you for listening to the Commercial Real Estate Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe so you get all the latest episodes. Bye for now, and we'll see you next week.